Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G. Welcome you back to this episode of the show, where tonight it's my film pick of the week. And we're going to be talking about Night of the Comet from 1984, directed by Tom Eberhardt. I'm not crazy. Really? I just don't give a fuck. I cannot wait. <laughs> we will talk about that. What are we wrong with the show? Oh, man, it's the man with the stash, yeah. <laughs> and I just fucking mm. went with it. I was like, you know what, fuck it. He's having a good time. I'm not ruining well, his good time. I'll, I'll, well, yeah. I, I know the Dean, well, as, you know, I guess I, I won't need any introduction tonight. As you see here. Hell cool. no. Yeah, it's here. Hello. Um, Hello. Yeah, I, know the, I know the Dean wanted to be on because we, uh, we certainly noticed the uh, the descent of, of one king last week. So so we meant to ask you, man. Were you like having a few drinks during the course of the show? Uh, yeah, no. Up? What happened was I took an edible and I took the whole thing <laughs> instead of just taking half. <laughs> and I was like, I got this. It's fine. I was like, I'm a big dude. I can just fucking handle the whole thing. And I fucking took the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. This oh. is not working out too well for me. Fucking <laughs> oh, great. And I had the notes in front of me. I'm reading it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> I was like, yep, gonna power through it, gonna power through it. And I'm like, oh god. I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is not fucking good, man. Got a whole well, fucking you know, other like, hour left. So it was great. Like it started as like your your entire like speech pattern like slowed down. Like you just started mm-hmm. shit like real slow and a little bit like slurry, you know. Now like again, I've obviously imbibed. Many uh many a night with you, so like I I kind of know that <laughs> tone, right? But then you mm-hmm. when you say you powered, you went through the movie so fast last week. I did. That it was like <laughs> yeah. it was like the Cliff Notes version of the film, and it was like ten thirty, and like I must <laughs> feel like looking to wrap up the show. And I'm like, bro, he's gonna be finished. And it's fucking ten thirty. So the dean the tried to like start talking about a character from the movie to you. And you were just like, Oh yeah, well that guy's in it and and so, you know, so we're gonna wrap up tonight. Yep. 
I was like, I'm fucking powering through it, man. I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go lay down. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking dance message to me. He's going, he goes, what the fuck is he on? I was like, ah, I don't know, man, but it's something. Yeah. Sorry, so good to know. Good to know we're not completely out of our fucking minds, which which we are, but we're not. So cool deal. Yeah. You you obviously survived it. So did you have a good time? I had such a great time. I was on a fucking whole other planet. <laughs> it's like, you know, I was like, yeah, we're good. We're good. I was like, we're done. We're done. All right. I'm going to say my pick for next week. It's going to be great. And then you're like, oh, yeah, no stash, man. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Let them go with it. I'm going. I was like, we need to fucking end this shit. I was like, I'm tired. Really? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like I, I'm bowing throw it, man. I was like, we got to the movie. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, now I know half, half. Is, is what I need to do from now on, uh, not the whole one. Um, but yeah, no, I was like, let's just fucking go. Yeah, I yeah, thought gotta, the time got to watch those fucking things, man. They uh, they sneak up on yeah. you, real easy. You know, and that's what everybody kept telling me. They're like, don't do the whole thing, man. Like, even though you're a big guy, like you know, don't do the whole thing. I'm like, no, I'll be fine. And I was like, because I have you know neuropathy in my feet, and it, it's hard for me to sleep, so that's why I try to take an edible or two before bed, um, mm-hmm. just to help me get through the night. So, you know, when right. I was on air, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking do the whole thing. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And all of a sudden, my fucking world dropped out. And I was like, where am I right now? You know, and I was like, I, I know I'm on air. I know we're talking about the movie Splinter. I was like, we're, we're going to be fine. And I'm like, words don't make any sense to me anymore. <laughs> I was like, uh oh, uh oh. Like, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> I was like, I gotta do the fucking narration. No, 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 no. What are these words? They don't mean anything to me anymore. <laughs> and I listened to the playback uh, the next day, and I'm like, yep, there, there it is. That's the exact moment where I'm like, yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> Andy has, so now, has left now, the chat. <laughs> now, now the edibles that you have, are, are you? Did you get, because I know you're out in PA, did you get your, your med license so that to say you can hit the dispensary or are you just grabbing edibles yes. for random? Good. Good, oh, good, no. Good. So I, I mean, my mom uh, sent me a link to get my license um, because, good. you know, she knew I was having a problem. So she sent me one. I paid for it. And, uh, yeah, so now I have my actual license to, to pick up edibles and whatever else I want. I like the edibles. You know, I, I, I don't Uh-oh. like the smoke so much. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of that either. You know, with the, with the edible scene, you know, obviously you have to. The good thing about the dispensary is, is you know how many milligrams you got in said item, mm-hmm. so that at the very least you can, you like you said, you can take a half and know that you're going to be okay. You know, so obviously the hole was too much for you. Um, you know, like I know I was I was getting ones from from you know a location that I was getting uh, five five milligrams, and they were like perfect for me. You know, so like they they, mm-hmm. they had various uh, effects, which is mm-hmm. exactly what I wanted, and uh, yeah, and I was very very pleased with those. Um, yeah, but I have not I have Learned not died for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I've well, also okay. you know I've also I've also made the mistake of you know I got a, a, a at a thing that I went to at an event they they gave me. Um, so for like a, a fee that you paid to go to the event, 
they gave you like a two hundred plus dollar like gift bag at the end, um, mm. which contained all kinds of like edibles and stuff like that. Now, like this is the kind of stuff that like is not regulated, not monitored. Um, you know what you're kind of getting is you you you. you Taking a little bit of a, of a of a risk to say the least, and, uh, mm-hmm. and yes, I, I took said risk when I when I decided to because again, like I said, I was taking my 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 gummies on like a regular basis, so I figured I was good to go, and uh, I took a small piece of of what was called a Trips Ahoy cookie, and mm. uh, you know, and the, the whole cookie was five hundred milligrams. Now I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to eat. A whole cookie, you know. Like I said, I, I I'm a lightweight. I take five milligram gummies, and it gives me like just enough of like a happy buzz, and I'm like, all right, I'm I'm enjoying this. Um, when I say I took a sliver of this cookie that was probably smaller than my pinky finger, that is what I imbibed. Uh, I sat there playing a video game, and about an hour later. I was like, oh, okay, so it's definitely kicked in. I'm definitely feeling it. Um, I'm happy if this is where this is going to stay. I can, I can, I can see this through. Uh, about a half hour later, I got up from the couch without saying a word. I shut everything off, and I went under my covers in my bed and proceeded to hide for, like, the next six hours. And by hide... <laughs> I basically went in and out of consciousness, you know, as I, I would fall asleep and then wake up. And when I would wake up, I would be like, oh, thank God, I'm still alive. You know, it was pretty much, was pretty much my vibe on those trips to Hoy Cookies. So, I, uh, yep, after that, it was a, a no-go for me anymore. And, uh, yeah, those, those, those lay untouched. I sent them to my cousin, yeah. actually. <laughs> You know, you live and learn. You know, you just you have to try. As I'm finding yeah. out. Um, but uh, as as you may know out there, uh, Dean is not with us tonight. Uh, he had a basketball game. Luckily, the basketball season is ending soon, so he should be back with us pretty full time uh, next week. So it's just me and the ghoul tonight. So of course that means a little bit of wrestling talk. So bear with us, guys. I know you guys are like, oh, it's not a wrestling podcast; it's a horror podcast, but. You know, Elimination Chamber happened on Saturday in Perth, Australia, and it's, it's a pretty big deal because it's on the road to WrestleMania. You know, we have some things set up as far as what we're going to see. Um, what did you think about the PLE, as they're called now? Uh, you know, I'm going to be – you know, I never am a big fan for when they have these in foreign countries. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I know this, this is Australia, so it's not – Saudi Arabia or like, you know, Dubai or wherever they have some of these other ones uh, as of late. But, you know, it, uh, I just feel like they tend to be lacking whenever it mm-hmm. is in these types of uh, setups. Um, and this one was no different, you know. Unfortunately, I, I really came away feeling like it was dull. I feel like most of the matches were, were just they, – they really didn't have any any high points, per se. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's, it's Elimination Chamber, so, so there's really only so much 
surprise I'm expecting from it. But, I don't know, I guess I just, being that this is literally the, the pay-per-view just before WrestleMania, I guess I just expected more. And it is a total bummer that, that, you know, it's it's not, it wasn't. Yeah, and the problem I had with it is the fact that going into the actual chambers themselves, um, I kind of had an idea where they're going to go with it um, because of the stories that they've been building up on Raw and SmackDown, um, especially with Becky Lynch um, and her telling Ray Ripley she's going to win somehow and face her at WrestleMania. I'm like, well, kind of makes sense that Becky would win the Elimination Chamber, and lo and behold, Becky wins. And then going into the men's, <clears throat> Drew McIntyre has been having this whole feud against Seth Rollins. I was like, well, that's probably going to be what happens, and that's what happened. I was like, it was a little bit too predictable. I wanted to mm-hmm. see Randy Orton win, but Randy clearly got injured in that match. Like, his back yeah. completely gave out at a certain point, and he was struggling throughout the entire match. And I felt yeah, I was, so bad because I was really I to. hoping, man. I was really hoping that it was like a work and that, you know, mm-hmm. we were going to get, you know, a, you know, Randy fucking pulling, pulling that fast one and hitting that RKO and, oh, shit, you know, he was playing fucking Possum Snake. Um, yeah. But, no, I guess, uh, I, guess, I guess the back injury was legit and – Good on him for trooping through the match, at least. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, hope it's a, uh, I hope it's a quick recovery for him. Just I mean, I'm hoping it's not too serious. Injury, you know? Yeah, I just, I, I really wanted to see him win. I just had a feeling that Drew was going to be the one to pull it out. And it's fine. I mean, I'm a fan of Drew McIntyre. I love the heel character of Drew. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that match at Mania. Um but then again, you is know, really a heel when he's coming up against Seth Rollins. Because I feel like Seth Rollins is just a heel he's at a all face. times. He's a total face. He's never a face. Even when Seth Rollins, oh. he's one of those people that even when he plays face, it's a heel. You know what I mean? It's the same character. It's just who he's fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether or not they're considering themselves like a good guy or a bad guy. But they are pushing very fucking hard. Seth to be a face right now. Like they are really pressing it, where he has to be the face, and Seth, uh, not Seth, uh, Drew has to be, you know, the heel. You know, and Drew tries so fucking hard, but it's kind of hard not to like him. You know, and it's not even one of those situations where it's like a Chris Jericho or a Miz, where they can kind of go back between the two and it kind of works. Drew is just kind of like a face trying to be a heel, and it just doesn't work. Um, because he made these T-shirts uh, for Sam Punk, who got injured, and he's not going to be at Mania, um, and he made a shirt uh, where he's pointing at a grave of Sam Punk, saying, Sam Punk's uh, WrestleMania dreams, and he's laughing at it. And it's like one of the highest selling T-shirts. And he's just trying so hard to be a heel, and he just he can't do it because he's so enjoyable. You know? um, so he started calling himself DM Hunk. And that caught on. So everybody's like, DM Hunk. (laughs) And it's just one of those things where it's just, he's never going to be able to sell it completely that he's a heel, you know, because people are behind him, but people are behind Seth Rollins too. So Seth Rollins tries to come out and cut these promos where he's like, oh, I I just love the universe and I love everybody here and I I love being champions. No, like you had said, Ghoul, like 
Seth Rollins has always been a heel to me. He's always been a heel character, but they're trying very hard to make it that way. And it's the same thing with um, with The Rock coming back. You know, The Rock comes back. They have the press conference for WrestleMania. He slaps Cody Rhodes across the face. You know, he's being the heel Hollywood Rock now. Kind of mm-hmm. disappointed they didn't bring they didn't bring back the uh, Hollywood Rock theme song. You know, I'm cooking. You know, but. Uh, he came out on SmackDown. Well, the one with the, hel- and he's the, like, one with yeah. the helicopters and everything to, like, to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to kick the it off. The angelic theme. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Fucking, and like, popcorn yeah. shit like that going on in the background, like it's an action movie. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like but it was so great. <laughs> yeah. I fucking loved Hollywood Rock as a heel. Um, and the fact that they were kind of trying to bring it back with Roman Reigns, I liked, but... There's all these conspiracy theories going around because when he showed up on SmackDown with Roman, he cut this huge fucking promo about Cody crybabies and how Roman's going to be the one to win and Cody's going to walk out as the loser, but he kept pointing at Roman Reigns the entire time. So it was like, oh, shit, what if he turns on Roman at Mania? And when they put up the we are the ones, you know, finger, The Rock didn't do it the right way. So everybody's like, look at that. His thumbs out. This is it. Like this is I was like, ah, no, I don't see it happening that way. I don't see him turning on Roman at Mania. I see him costing Roman at Mania. I could definitely see him costing him the match, but I don't think it's going to work out that way where, you know, Roman wins and Rock's like, hey, you did it. All right, cousin. No, I I don't see that at all. I, I, I think that Cody will win, but it'll be because of the Rock. I wonder... You know, the more I think about it, you know, uh, again, like I said, I I really think the WWE wants Roman to beat Hogan's run. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, so, again, in order for him to do that, I don't think it's much longer that he has to go. I might be wrong. No. If he makes it to SummerSlam, does he break Hogan's Mm -hmm. record? Or is it September? Yeah. I can't I, remember. I, I think it's only like 200, maybe 300 more days. If I'm not mistaken, okay. less than that probably. But it, it's easily done. You could easily surpass Hulk Hogan at this point. It, it'd be hard to say because I know that Roman Reigns in real life has said that he wants to take a break after Mania, you know, and just kind of not do it anymore, you know, and, and mm-hmm. obviously probably try to make movies. So it's going to be a hard thing to kind of figure out because if they want him to break the record, it's possible. But at the same time, if he wants to take a break and not be around anymore, you know, that's, that's how you have to do it, you know, is have Cody win the title. And I think that's a, a, you know, I don't know, smart decision maybe. I don't know. I like Cody. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Cody guy. So. Yeah. And I know after our discussion, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Dean and, and, you know, my opinion as far as, like, Cody and all that, you know, and, and realistically, look, it, it goes to show. Ultimately, my opinion is simply that. It's mine. Um, I may not yeah, think yeah. Cody is the, is, is the greatest thing in the world. I may not think no. Cody is on par with the likes of, of a Hogan or a Warrior or, you know, Macho Man even. Agreed. You know, any, anybody yeah. of that nature. Um, but there are people out there that do. 
you know, and, and that's that's mm-hmm. not a fault. Obviously, they're entitled to their opinions, just like I'm entitled to mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just because it's wrong. <laughs> not just kidding. Um, but it's uh, – I think you might be right on Cody taking it. Um, for me, my main reason with that is is this whole – you know, finish your story. Finish mm-hmm. your story. Cody Rhodes is the face of the new WWE video game, you know, WWE yeah. 2K4, uh, 2K24. And the tagline mm-hmm. for that is finish the story. You know, it would be strange for them to push him the way they have, to put him on the cover of things, to, to to really try to promote him as a mega star and then mm-hmm. not have him deliver and actually win that belt. So like I said, I think you're right. I think, you know, I think yeah, I think the the Roman Empire is uh is going to finally uh, uh, yeah, as you can see, I'm super excited about it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I just my, my big problem is is just it, it, it the storyline dictates The Rock coming in and just doing it and leaving. You know, mm-hmm. like, ride yeah. in on your fucking horse. Be the people's champ. Be the person to get that fucking belt away from that goddamn guy because that's, you know, that's what The Rock's going to do. He's going to give the title back to the people. You know, put it, you know, let The Rock beat him. Put, you know, totally relinquish the title because, you know, unlike Joe Biden, you know, The Rock is not going to be here for too long. You know, he just wants to get in, get out. He wants <laughs> yeah. to do his job and leave. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and that be that. But, you know, and then we can have a, a tournament and we can have a champion by SummerSlam, you know, and, and, and make it fucking fun. And, you know, you want to give it to Cody at that point? Fine, give it to Cody. Um you know, make him go through obstacles like fucking Randy Macho Man Savage did to fucking get that damn belt. You know, make it make it a oh, real fight. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. And, and I guess to 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 kind of end that for me anyway would be to uh, you know bringing up Macho Man. Obviously, you know, with his first title win was against the uh, you know in WrestleMania four in the tournament for the WWE title. His, his his opponent in that finals was none other than the Million Dollar Man, whose henchman was Virgil, who passed away. That's mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, you know. So so R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. Virgin Virgil. And not only Virgil, but also Ole Anderson of the Four Horsemen, Ole and Arn no. and Ric Flair and Toy Blanchard, you know. That oh yeah. One. So, yeah. That I mean, talk about a fucking faction. I mean, as a wrestling fan, I mean, the Four Horsemen were the shit, you know, back in the day. You know, and that was the fucking faction. So, you know, the they Virgil were, and then also old. Yeah. You know. They were a faction before factions were like. I mean, yeah, so I don't want to say you didn't have factions because I mean, you kind of did. You did, but you not like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, you had the Von Eric. You know what I mean? But that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily yeah. a faction. That was a family. You know, so so those guys were that. Um, 
So, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, look, we're we're getting to that age where these kind of things are going to happen, and it's a drag. It really is. Um, it you know, is. We're going yeah. to start. we see people that we know, people that we've looked up to, whether personally or on television or whatnot. You know, I know you're hitting forty. I'm forty six now. You know, so it's uh, it's a it is a bummer to, to see. You know, so. But it's it what is what it is, and man. See, those, that, those cops are going to get somebody right now. So, no, That's the hospital. That's that's an ambulance. I live uh, a block away from the hospital. But um, can't get away from that fucking noise. It always fucking happens. But, yeah, I mean, even talking about all, I mean, you bring it back to Dusty Rhodes and his fucking feuds with the Four Horsemen. You know, and J.J. Dillon, baby. <laughs> you know, and bringing it back to Cody. Like, you know, it's, but to, to wrap it up, you know, with, with all that wrestling talk, I think the perfect booking, if it were me and I'm booking this and I have Cody winning at WrestleMania against Roman, then you could have Rock versus Roman at SummerSlam. You could have that dream match that everybody's been wanting for the longest time. You but could have what? it happen at SummerSlam. Well, for what? Because he costs him the title. But the stakes are gone. There's no stakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's no. really what yeah. it comes down to. Then it's just a match that you can have at any that that may as well be a fucking Monday Night Raw match at that point. I don't oh, care easy. if it's The Rock returning or or what you know. Like again, if there's no stakes, if there's no actual you know risk for Roman in the match, then then, then what's it for? What oh the family is it is it really going to be for the tribal chief? Like, come on, let's be real. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Roman Reigns right. isn't really walking around fucking Samoa like he's the fucking tribal chief, okay? Like, just so you people know, it's a fictional fucking story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a fictional story. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If I'm booking it, I would do it that way. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm still thinking that Cody is going to somehow finish the story um, and get the title, which would be great, you know, because I think Roman's been around long enough where it's like, eh tired of Roman Reigns. Like, I like the fact that he's playing into that character of, like, I'm not even here all that much. Like, I work ten times less than Seth Rollins does, and I make twice the money. So, whatever. Like, you know, it's, no, I'm done. Like, it's just, he, Roman has never been that charismatic heel that I've always wanted him to be. He just comes off as just annoying. He comes off he just as smart, have man. It. I wouldn't go that far. You know what I mean? Like, he obviously has something. Um, yeah, I too, you know, would have uh, would have liked to have seen more progression with Roman. Not so much on the character end, because honestly, the character that's what you have Paul Heyman for. You know what I mean? It's just like Brock exactly. fucking Lesnar. Yeah. You know, you you don't need character out of Brock Lesnar. You just need him to be imposing and and just physically dominating, and that's that. Like Roman never impressed me from a physical standpoint, you know, or Mm -hmm. a match standpoint. And and as such, you know, so now that you also add in that he doesn't really have a character, it's like, okay, so you just have the belt. Cool. Yay. (laughs) That's, That's why he needs Paul Heyman in his corner. Paul Heyman makes the best of everybody that he's with. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Brock Lesnar, like, great example, you know, being an advocate of Paul Heyman, worked. Um, You know, when he was with CM Punk, CM Punk could cut promos. CM Punk could talk. Like, he could talk the talk. 
you know, mid-wrestler, <clears throat> if I'm being honest. I never really found him to be that interesting either. But, you know, having Paul Heyman, he didn't really need Paul Heyman. You know, it was just kind of one of those weird things where it's like, okay, well, Paul has something to do. He's with CM Punk. You know, it just it didn't really make a lot of sense, you know, the fact that he would be, mm-hmm. you know, in his corner. Like, Roman needs Paul Heyman because Paul Heyman can talk like a motherfucker. Like, <laughs> He can talk and he can cut promos and all Roman has to do is just be imposing, like he had said. That's all. But then they're like, you know what? Let's give the mic to Roman. And no, you don't do that because it's like when you give the mic to Goldberg. No, he can't do shit either. On the mic. He just, he, <laughs> he's not yeah, good. Yeah, disaster. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <clears throat> That's it. That's all he can do is just shout. That's all he ever had to say. And walk out with what's That's all. That is all he ever yep. had to say. He never had to say anything else. Roman, nope. uh, not Roman. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Bill Goldberg, definitely, after, especially after the Taser incident, you know, which kind of mm-hmm. uh, took away his, his perfect record. And, you know, after that, you would see him, like, actually, like, lose a match. Um you know, yeah, he could have definitely used a uh, a, a manager type. He could have used somebody to, to kind of hype him up a bit. Again, don't get me wrong. I mean, look, he, he's, yeah. he's still fucking Goldberg. But the guy's an animal. He is. You know, at his age, he's in shape. That's just it's ridiculous. You know, like it, it, it's preposterous the the kind of physical condition that man is in. But you know, yeah, mm-hmm. he still could have used somebody to kind of like get a little bit of a hype train going for him. Well, he definitely needed somebody in his corner, you know, uh, a manager that could just cut promos for him. But he just – he never got there. Like, you know, because back in the day when we were watching Attitude Era, he was kind of like the WCW's answer to Stone Cold Steve Austin. But Stone Cold could fuck custom promos. He could do it. You give him a mic and he'll get everybody out of their seats. Bill Goldberg can never do that. I mean, Bill Goldberg just didn't have the mic work that – Stone Cold managed to do, you know, because we all remember King of the Ring, 1997, John 316 says, I just whip your ass. Like, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's all I had to say. And just walk Fucking out, legendary you know, right and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> one of the greatest that, promos. People know Austin 316 <clears throat> who have never, ever watched wrestling, you know, but they know that. Mm-hmm. That is, that's becoming a, pi- a pop, I, you know, a pop culture icon, you know, a legend. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people know who's next, but, you know, they may not yeah. all attribute it to Goldberg. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Steve Austin obviously had that thing. You know, Bill Goldberg was just a physically imposing man who had a great mm-hmm. – his ability to perform the moves that he was given was great. You know, and some yeah. of the people that – sold him, you know, to us were phenomenal workers. And, you know, and and I will go down and say it forever. You know, Paul White is one of those people. You know, the big show, one of the best workers in in wrestling in general. Never had a problem putting other people over. Always had the ability to flip from heel to face without a problem. Uh, You always believed it. He could be completely imposing, dominating, and you'd be like, yep. That's why he's a fucking giant. Um, but he could just as easily be comical and hysterical. And, uh, you know, watching Bill Goldberg pick that fucking man up 
you know, which again, knowing mm-hmm. wrestling the way we do, we know that is a a feat done by two people. You know, Bill Goldberg obviously getting him up there, but Big Show mm-hmm. getting that initial lift to get him up into that position, and then the Big Show being yeah. able to fucking hold that balance to keep himself from letting fucking you know, so so he doesn't knock Goldberg over. Um, mm-hmm. It was fantastic. It really was. It was one of those great moments watching him jackhammer him. You know, uh, yeah. so, which that sounds so gay. <laughs> um, I love <laughs> watching it, it was jackhammer him, man. It was so hot. <laughs> totally gaped him, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah no, it, it, it was impressive. And, and, you know, I mean, that goes from Goldberg and, and Big Show to Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant. You know, the slam heard around the world. It's like you couldn't believe that this guy could pick up Andre the Giant and slam him down, even though it had been done previously on a non-televised event. But to see it happen, um, it was it was amazing because you don't think that could ever happen. But it, it takes two people, like you had said. It took Andre and Hulk, and it also took Big Show and and Goldberg to make that fucking yes. happen, and they sold it really well. Well, the moment in history, obviously bigger when Hulk Hogan slams Andre the Giant, I do think more impressive to see Bill Goldberg jackhammer the big show. Yeah. You know, it's... It, it's yeah. All Andre had to do was jump a little bit. Hogan has to pick him up and throw him down. You know, and again, everything was hyped up. Everything was there. I mean, Hulk Hogan, again, non-televised, had already body slammed Andre the Giant. It had <laughs> happened. You know, we just had never seen mm-hmm. it before. The, the Giant had been slammed before. Just they told us what we needed to hear so that we would believe that, you know what, fucking even Giants could be brought down. Um, yeah. And again, it was such a great moment in fucking wrestling history. God, I loved living through that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a thing. It is. But uh, so – Enough of wrestling, guys. I know you're probably bored by now. Uh, so we are bringing back the motherfucking trailer park. The trailer park where we go and we watch some trailers for you guys. We talk about them and hopefully get excited for some upcoming releases. So, Ghoul, you had sent me in the group chat a couple of trailers to watch. I did. Um, which one do you want to start with? Uh, why don't I let you do that, man? You, you can handle the order with which we will discuss. Boy, oh boy, because I I, I kind of want to save one for the end because I just need to talk about it. <laughs> I'm kind of excited okay, too. Okay. So let's let's stay more in the the horror realm uh, and talk about Immaculate, which is coming into theaters on March 22nd um, and stars Sydney Sweeney. Now, uh, Ghoul, I don't really know much about Sydney Sweeney. I just know that she's kind of like America's sweetheart right now. Uh, in terms of things that she's in, like people are really hyped up about Sydney Sweeney. Um, but I got to tell you, man, Immaculate fucking sold me, dude, because I'm a huge fan of non-sploitation movies. I'm a huge fan of religious horror movies. This one had like everything I could possibly be looking for. Great visuals, great kind of scares, um, kind of like a weird Rosemary's Baby meets the Omen type deal. Um I, I'm actually excited for this one because I know I posted about it on the Talking Terror page, but I never watched a trailer until tonight. Um, so it got me kind of hyped uh, on March 22nd. So what, what are your thoughts on Immaculate? All right, so cool. So see, I had seen the trailer for this 
um, at AMC uh, when I saw the, uh, the, what do you call it, movie? Um, uh, Madam Web. Uh, so, uh, yeah, America's Sweetheart, Sydney Sweeney. You know, my introduction to Sydney here, uh, the very lovely Sydney. Um, hello, Sydney. <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> through Euphoria. Um, okay, yeah. You know, which uh, which is an HBO series. Uh, I've mentioned it before. It's a phenomenal series, man. It's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it takes things like what you would think of in, like, you know, your typical Dawson's Creek, your typical... Grassy junior high, like like that level stuff, uh, as far as like mm-hmm. the age groups go, but bring them into a more grounded, harsh world that is very much like our reality, scarily so. Uh, Zendaya is fucking phenomenal in it, and you know, again, I'll sing her fucking praises each and every day. Uh, my my main thing though, again, was Sydney Sweeney here. So, being that that is my introduction to her. Basically, my introduction to her is by her beautiful cans. She's got very nice cha-cha. They are impressive, um, dude. Oh, my God. They, oh, yeah. You see them aplenty in Euphoria. You do? Um, oh, yes. I was oh, talking yeah. about the trailer. I was talking about the fucking Matthew chair. I'm like, oh, my God. Look at this oh. fucking thing. Oh, no. You see, those. you see them unleashed in Euphoria. Um, oh, shit. Now i got to so, watch Euphoria. Oh, it's, and it's right off the rip, too, so, so enjoy, my friend. Enjoy, you know. Uh, but, mm. but, yeah, look, she's a, a very pretty girl. Um, you know, she uh, her acting, I feel like, isn't, isn't terrible. She, she, she portrays coming off like just about what you would expect, just about every normal girl. And I think that is where she is kind of coming in as like America's sweetheart right now. She, like, everybody mm. has a sister like her. Everybody has like a family member, a cousin, somebody that you know Sydney Sweeney reminds them of. Um, she was she was the better part of Madam Web because I think she was kind Ooh, of funny okay. in it. Um, that's 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 a struggle to say. It really is because that movie was so fucking mm. bad. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I almost want to, like, take that back only because there was really no good part in that movie. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so so anyway, Immaculate. Um, I saw, so I saw the trailer for this from Adam Webb. Yeah, I immediately, Omen vibes. That was actually what yeah. I thought it was because I know there was an Omen prequel on the way. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no shit. This is where Damien is conceived. You know, he's fucking, you know, a hell baby that's born of a nun. I'm like, as I'm watching this trailer, I'm going, this is fucking <laughs> genius. I fucking love this shit. And I like Sydney Sweeney. I like the atmosphere. I like what they're going for with the movie. And again, I'm getting nothing but fucking Omen vibes. And then the, the name of the movie comes up and it was like, oh, this ain't the Omen prequel. My bad. All right. Well, that still looks like a good movie. So, uh, yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it's got all that, that creepy... You don't know how, who, or why, or whatever is going on in the film. You know, it should have a nice, a nice. It looks like it can have a decent slow burn with, you know, what what should hopefully be a very great delivery for an ending. So I have high hopes for it. I will definitely be at the theater to see Immaculate. 
Yeah, I'm definitely put it on my list. As soon as I said March 22nd, I was like, I'm there. I was like, I, just, I love that religious horror aspect of it. You know, the, the shot of her having the cross burned on her foot um, and just being the Virgin Mary type where they dress her up like Virgin Mary. I was like, oh, okay. All right. You got me. Because <laughs> that shit's fucking cool. Um, the fact that they were going that way. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. So it was a great trailer. I'm hoping that the movie plays out just as well. Um, so let's go to stop motion. Uh, this is another one that I posted on the talking terror page, but I'd never watched any of the trailers for it. Um, so when you sent it to me in the group chat, I was like, all right, let me check it out. And I got to tell you, I was impressed. It's another one that I kind of want to see. Um, something about stop motion has always kind of creeped me out. Like I've always been kind of creeped out by stop motion as much as I like it. Uh, it's kind of creepy in a way how they do it, um, and I felt like this was kind of an effective way to make stop motion even fucking scarier, where it's a girl that <laughs> works with stop motion trying to make a movie, but then it kind of comes into real life with these fucked up looking stop motion characters that are invading her reality. Um, yeah, I was like, you know what, this, this got me too, um, but what were your thoughts on the stop motion trailer? Yeah, I I agree. You know, uh, coming up as a kid, I watched a lot of stop motion stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was a big fan of the the claymation stuff. Gumby, uh, Davy and Goliath, um, you know. uh, Oh, Davy. Oh, Goliath, what are you doing? Oh, (laughs) Davy, I don't think you should do that now. Yeah, me and uh, me and me like little monster. <laughs> See, as a kid, okay, I had no idea that Davy and Goliath was a religious-based series. Oh, you didn't? Um, <laughs> no, you know, because like again, like growing up in New York, it was just it was a show that was on before like Saturday morning cartoons. Davy and Goliath Always, was on because yeah. like, I would wake up early. You know what I mean? So it would be like six o'clock in the morning. You know, when Davy and Goliath would be on 5.30 in the morning. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to watch this because cartoons are going to start soon. And, you know, I want to eat some, some fucking, you know, cereal and just be, you know, my, my best kid life getting ready for my, my morning cartoons. Um, so I would watch them and I would get like there's a moral to the story. It would be a little bit later that I'd start picking up the whole thing at the end where it would say like whether a Lutheran church or, or, or whatever they were from. Um you know, and at that point, I realized, obviously, that there was some kind of, like, sponsoring connection to the church. But uh, when I was, like, a younger, younger kid, like, no, nah, no idea with that. Um, but, yeah, like you, like, I, I always had a fascination for it. I, It's painstakingly hard work um, is what mm-hmm. stop motion is, you know. And my only experience uh, of actually – Doing stop motion is literally when me and and Zach at one point tried to do a little thing with some some action figures that we had here, and you know we worked for probably close to I want to say two to three hours, and like literally had like an eighteen second like movie. 
You know, like that, that's all that you had for all of that work. <laughs> so to think about the amount of time and work that it go, like that goes into making things like the box trolls, making other stop-motion style films, like what the Kyoto brothers do and stuff like that. Uh, Marcel, the, the, seashell, the, the, the seashell with shoes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, my, you know, the, the, the level of uh, of impressed to me for it is just, it's through the roof. Um, you know, highest levels of respect. This movie looks creepy as fuck. The character designs mm-hmm. are like right there out of like Puppet Master. You know, like that's the that's the vibes I'm getting from it, except with like just a creepier atmosphere. The atmosphere that I would like Puppet Master to have, I guess, would be, you know, I would love for them to make a more serious, like Puppet Master, like finally like maybe try to make one that's like an actual like horror film and not like a, a Charles Band, you know, like this is just cheaply made for entertainment purposes. Um so 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 yeah, I'm, this is one too that I am. I just just came. It literally just came across me like randomly. I was like looking through some videos and caught this, and I was like, "Holy shit! I gotta send that over." So yes, I will. Yeah, I feel I did not see a release date for that. I know if it's a. I know it's an IFC film. So do we know if this is going to be like a, a specific like streaming film, or is this going into theaters? I haven't seen anything. You know, in terms of the release date for stop motion, I know that uh, Shutter's behind it, so I don't have to imagine it might just get a streaming on Shutter um, at some point. You know, because it it seemed like it's a Shutter original, and usually those go right to Shutter. So we'll see. Other than that, you know, as opposed to Immaculate, which said March twenty second, I didn't see anything mm. uh, either. So you're completely right. Um, but going from that to something that I really appreciate you sending me because I, I knew nothing about this fucking movie um, until you sent me the trailer for it. And that's boy kills world um, with Bill Skarsgård, Jessica Roth from happy death day and the sequel um, H John motherfucking Benjamin doing the voice, like the world's <laughs> best fucking voice actor. I fucking love H John Benjamin. And the fact that he showed up in the show, I was like, Oh, and then I saw the rest of the show. I'm like, this fucking movie slaps so fucking hard. <clears throat> it reminded me of when I saw the Bullet Train show for the first time. I'm like, I need to see this movie. Um, mm-hmm. This dystopian punk rock future where it's kind of you going into a game where you're going to have to have sponsors and shit like that. And this guy who's been mute and deaf is training to go into this game and to kill fucking everybody. I I was just laughing the entire time. I watched it twice just because I couldn't stop laughing at how much I just loved everything about this kind of Running Man-esque uh, world of Boy Kills World, where you have H. John Benjamin, of course, you know, being the, the voice in his head because he can't speak. And, yeah, I just – I couldn't believe how much fun this movie looked. Yeah, I uh, – this, too, I – like, I – I had no idea about this one. This is, you know, this it's funny. When I was watching the trailer for this, it had, the first person that came into my mind was the monkey. This would seem like something mm-hmm. that is 100% like right up the monkey's totally. alley. The monkey would be like, oh, that's based on this comic strip, blah, 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 blah. Like he'd have a thousand and one things that would like give us all this information about, uh, about this movie. Um, you know, and, uh, but no, this, this one too for me, was was something. I was like, no shit. Look at this. This yeah, definitely is giving off Hunger Game vibes. 
and mm-hmm. that is really what like kind of had me thinking because you know like we'll watch the Hunger Games here. Um, it's, it's you know it's on my go to sleep yeah. uh, regimen of films. So so pretty much you know when, whenever we want to go to bed quick, you know there's specific movies that are go to bed movies and Chasing Fire. The second Hunger Games movie is one of those. You put that movie on, I'm fucking asleep within like 10 to 15 minutes. Now, it's not because it's boring or anything like that. It's not because we don't enjoy the movie. We do enjoy We enjoy all four of the films. Um, but it's just that that movie got into our routine so much that it's like, okay, you can put it on. I, I can almost recite shit word for word if I was to ever actually like sit down and watch it again. Uh, my only question is, can I sit down and watch it without falling asleep now? <laughs> that is the one problem. <laughs> that is the problem with go-to-sleep movies, you know, that kind of does sometimes affect mm-hmm. your ability to, to watch them. Uh, but what it was is, more than anything else, it surprised the shit out of me because I realized, you know, popular as the Hunger Games movies were, no one really, like, did a horror movie version of it. Like, the Hunger no. Games themselves, are fu- it's fucking tame. Well, they you know, did. For a season, Battle Royale. But that was before the Hunger Games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that was early off. 2000s. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, and I, I do believe that the she eventually admitted that she had heard she of Battle <laughs> yeah. Royale. You know, so I was happy yep. that she admitted that. You know, like, come on, lady. Like, like, give a little bit of credit, man. You know, it's not like that was the only thing that's ever done it too. You know what I mean? Come on. There's, like you said, there's a running man, dystopian futures in which, you know, somebody has to fucking avoid getting killed. You know, the de- the deadliest game. Like, it's it's all been there. It's, yeah. It's, the, the basis of it, though, is, is very much similar. Um, but, yeah, but nobody straight out was just like, hey, you know, The Hunger Games is very tame by comparison. It is. It's PG-13. There's, yes, it is. There's, yep. there's barely any blood. You know, for a series about a bunch of kids murdering each other, you really don't see much in the ways of the murders. Um, and, again, it's teen fiction. So, you know, I get it. That, that's how it is by design. But that doesn't mean, like, somebody else shouldn't have already come out with a fucking movie that, like, kind of takes it where it's supposed to go, which is violent and bloody as fuck. So I'm hoping that this, because this looks like it's going to be violent and bloody as fuck. So so I am all for it, you know. And it's funny because it's the second thing today that that, that put Skarsgård, you know, up in the the, the thing because Mm. he... We finally saw his first picture, first images sure of Bill Skarsgård as Eric Draven, the, the new crow. And it's a Our look. Pass. It is a look, <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, and I saw that picture. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't care for it. I mean, it's it, I don't know why it has to be a reboot. There's been so many crow sequels. Um, but I did enjoy the fact that he has a tattoo on his chest of a face where one of his nipples is the other eye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was that was a look. Uh, yeah, it's it's a look. It's it's something, you know. I mean, it, it's fine, you know. But I was like, I don't know. Like the crows had so many sequels. Just make another crow sequel. You don't have to reboot the whole thing and make this Eric Draven. I mean, that that's Brandon Lee. Yeah, man. but, <laughs> but you can't know stop how, it, Brandon. You know how? 
Okay, so I mean, like here, here's here's the thing, you know, and I know it's gonna kind of come off as a bit of a hot take, maybe, maybe not. It's been fucking long enough. Um, you know, the first Crow movie, obviously, out of out of the Crow films, the first movie is the best one. You know, yeah. that being mm-hmm. said, a lot of that movie's love comes from the fact that it's Brandon Lee's last film and for how trash it was. Um, you know, cause you can watch that movie. Now you can see that there's a lot of flaws in it. There's a lot of poor performances in it. The, the effects are pretty fucking horrible. Um, you know, so it's not a series in which I'm hardcore against a remake being made, especially if, mm-hmm. it, you know, again, if it's going to tell a solid story of, you know, if it's going to be a solid remake telling of Eric Draven's story, then then very cool. You know, like, like, like let's update it. Let's get some of today's special effects in. Um, I mean, obviously what comes with that is, is, I guess the character has to look somewhat like what some of our biggest stars look like these days, which is fucking tattoos on their faces. And like I was talking to somebody earlier today, you know, and it's, you know, honestly, I can't look at anybody that has a tattoo on their face and not think that trash, you know, like I just, Mm -hmm. it's it's a, it's a trashy look in my opinion, you know, And, and again, just like I said, about, you know, things earlier. My opinion is simply that. I'm not speaking for the world. Uh, You know, and and if you don't like my opinion, well, I mean, sorry, but, you know, it it, it is mine. I've yet to see anybody with a face tattoo where I'm like, wow, that really looks good. They really made a good decision putting that on their face. (laughs) It's it's never happened. Earlier this week, there was a girl who who I followed on Instagram and, uh, you know, really pretty face. Like she's, she's a thicker girl. She's got a gigantic booty. And I mean, she's got a giant mm-hmm. ass and, you know, like I've seen some before after pictures of her. Uh, I guess she was at one time like really heavy. Um, she lost a mm-hmm. lot of the weight. She got like skin surgery done. And like now she, but she's got like still like a big, heavy girl's ass with these big thick sides, but she's got this thin little waist, smallish boobs, and a really pretty face. And, like, her post earlier this week was showing, like, her getting a face tattoo, and, like, instantly my finger went to the unfollow button and, like, you know, and, like, block. Like, I have no desire. Like, you're literally removing one of, like, the only things that I like looking at with you. Um, so, I mean, whatever, she's, she's obviously an influencer, so continue influencing, but you're not going to influence sure. anything on me. No, yeah, yeah I guess I'm, I'm in that camp too. I, I'm not a fan of face tattoos. I just think it's dumb. Uh, I don't know why you would do that. <clears throat> you have your whole body to work with. Why do you got to do the face? Post Malone, you know? ASAP Rocky, you know, like, like, fuck Jelly yeah. Roll. <laughs> Jelly Roll, Takeshi 6 fucking 1182375. Oh, whatever what the hell like his fucking name kid is. fucking just drew over his face. Takashi 69, yeah, yeah you know. And it, just, it just baffles me. It really does. I don't, yeah, there's even a, a band. There's a band I'm a huge fan of called the Bridge City Sinners. Um, and their lead singer, Libby Lux, who I adore because she's got a great singing voice. I love her style. 
And then one day she decided to get a tattoo on her forehead. You know, I'm like, nope, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> kind of ruins it. But, you know, hey, you know what? It's your body, your choice. You know, you, you made the choice, but just not for me. I'm just, I'm not a fan of, of facial tattoos. You know, it's just, it, it looks silly. It looks like somebody drew on your face. Like you got drunk and you fell asleep and somebody drew on your face. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like, you know, I'm not a fan. Um, but going into the last two trailers that we had before we get into the movie for this week, um, I saw the TV Glow, uh, which is an A24 movie that's coming out, I, I believe, uh, soon-ish. Uh, Mar- uh, May 3rd, actually, is the release date. Um, it gave me, I don't know if you ever saw this series when it was on Sci-Fi Ghoul, um, Channel Zero. It involved uh, Candle Cove, which was a children's uh, show that was on the surface kind of fun, but also had a kind of horrific kind of backstory um, to the characters. So, you know, and it's all about this guy becoming an adult and realizing that what he saw might have been more horrific than what he imagined and kind of investigating the whole Candle Cove uh, TV series. Um, And that's what I got from I Saw the TV Glow, which is involving a show from the 90s, I want to say, in the trailer called The Pink Opaque, which is about a bunch of kids, and they have a monster every week that they have to face uh, going across all these counties. Um, I just dug the vibe. Like, I like when movies get fucking weird. And I felt like I saw the TV glow kind of had that, where it's like these kids, they know the show, they know the characters, they know the monsters, but all of a sudden it kind of crosses over into reality, and they're kind of facing this horror that's come true. But what did you think about us on the TV glow? I thought it looked absolutely 100% like bizarre. Um, (laughs) It was a, yeah, I didn't know what to expect from that one. Because, you know, when like, when I first started watching the trailer, I was like, okay, this is, this is fairly straightforward. It seems like, you know, like, all right, Mm -hmm. it's a, uh, you know, you got you, you got Justice Smith. He's got the, the, this girl, and then they're just students. But then there's like some weird thing going on with their television, and I'm like, all right, cool. And then it just got fucking weirder and weirder with like what looks like alternate reality types of stuff, and they're not sure if they're in a show or if they're in reality. It looks like, you know, like I know a twenty four. Um, you know, they're 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 like in that. What's, what was elevated? Uh, elevated horror. That lovely, yeah. that lovely word that we love so much, you know, the elevated <laughs> horror camp, you know, and like they like a 24 likes to make elevated movies in general. You know, the problem with making elevated movies is sometimes they just come off as just douchebaggy and mm-hmm. like watching this. It's like one of those where it could go either way. Either this movie could be, like, one of those really cool, far out, like, wow, what a great concept, how fucking awesome is all that, or it could be coming off as just straight-up artistic douchebaggery, and you're like, man, like, who the fuck? Like, we're not fucking retards. <laughs> we're, so, sorry, I know that's not, a, not an appropriate word to use these days. You know, we're, we're not inferior <laughs> thinkers here. Um you know, we, 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 just because we like horror movies doesn't mean we can't throw down. No, it doesn't mean we can't, like, you know, enjoy something intelligent and grasp it. Um, so, so don't go making something where you're thinking like you're smarter than your audience. And that is what I fear with this film, that it will try to, like, be smarter than the audience 
and really when you're gonna when you break it down, it's just gonna be an empty movie that's trying to seem smarter than the audience. I completely agree. And I don't necessarily have high hopes for I saw the T V glow. I'm just hoping for it to be a good movie. Um, because I think A24 can kind of be hit or miss, just like you had said. Um, but seeing it, I was like, it's just the right amount of weird. Like, it gave me kind of It Follows vibes, where when I first saw the It Follows uh, trailer, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, what what am I seeing? And then I saw the movie, like, what the fuck am I watching? And I was like, this is really fucking good, but I don't know why I like it. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but I like it. It's just weird, and it's kind of my weird. Um so I'm looking forward to when it comes out and seeing it. But speaking of, I don't know what the fuck is going on. This is what I want to cap it's, it off with. Sorry, sorry. That was the one yeah. that, uh, that it reminded me of. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher the name. I can't remember. What, into, was it Into the Void? Was that the one with the guys with the video store? And they get the VHS tape and like they're, they're like oh, one of their the family games. members. Beyond the Gates, that's what it was, not Into the Void. Into the Void's a different one then. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. so Beyond the Gates. That was kind of the vibe that I was getting off yes. of this. Like, this was similar to that, but with, like, more money and better direction. No, yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of that vibe, because we, we covered it on the show, Beyond the Gates, um, mm-hmm. where it's, they, they find the, the nightmare-esque VHS game, and they play it, but it also becomes a part of the reality um, not a bad movie, uh, not great, but at the same time, just that right level of what the fuck am I watching? I, I don't get it, but I kind of I'm into it. Um, great so, yeah, concept, like I said, to, but just again, it was mm-hmm. just something that they, you know what I mean? You just knew that the people making the film, they had a great idea. They just weren't, they're not like, they're not a Spielberg. They're not a, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not a director that is going to be able to take such a small idea which is really great, and, like, turn it into, like, a bigger, better film. Like, you know, they're working with little, mm-hmm. like, little small money and, and, and actors that are, you know, not, not the greatest, and, and that's fine. I mean, that's, listen, this is how a lot of these movies get made. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we love the independent scenes. So, you know, like, I, I, yeah. I always take a great idea. I, I will never shy away from that. But, yes, let, let's get on to this this. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's, let's, let's do the, the, the capper um, before we get into the movie. Because um, oh, you had sent this, me this. This does run into um, a second capper, but, but yes. Okay. Yeah. You had sent me the, the trailers to watch and the one that popped up where I was like, what? I was like, what? Okay. You know, we're a horror podcast, right? Like, okay. And it's the American Society of Magical Negroes where for centuries there's been a society hidden in plain sight, working in secret to protect black people from harm. Uh, what? <laughs> Even more than watch the TV glow, I was like, what? I don't know if I like this or if I'm just confused. Like, I was like, David Allen Greer, I love David Allen Greer. It's so great to see him. I was, I was like, is this, is this racist? I, I don't know. <laughs> I was so fucking confused. I was like, oh, is this a romantic comedy? But there's like, racism themes i i don't know what i'm watching but i kind of dug it i was like you know what i wouldn't mind seeing this i mean it might be a digital rental for me rather than a theater visit um but it was like i don't know if this is like whimsical i, I was so fucking confused dude like, I, I still to right now in this moment i'm like i don't know if i liked it or if i didn't like it i just yeah <laughs> what did you think about the american society for magical negroes so 
so for me, right, I got to work the other morning, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Monday, and my buddy Mark, you know, one of my uh, my friend and my coworker, uh, right, he goes, he goes, yo, did you see the trailer that came out for that uh, for that new movie? He's like, you know, the, the magical Negro. And I looked straight at Mark, right? I looked straight at Mark, and I said, what the fuck are you talking about? Don't give me no bullshit. It's too early. It's fucking Monday. And he's like, no, bro. <laughs> he goes, I'm serious. So he pulls out his phone, and, and he pulls up the fucking trailer for this film. I watched at that time about a minute and change of the trailer, you know, because I was, I was laughing so hard because of the absurdity of it, right? So now, now take it to the next day, yesterday, where I introduced it to, uh, to, to the cool girl. I introduced it to Bon, and I was like, you have to watch this with me because you're going to find it's quite entertaining. And now I, I watched the entire trailer, and you know what? We're cracking up the entire time. You know, I get what you're saying. Is it offensive? Is it not? You know, I think that it's, it's, it's fun satire in which we are literally taking a Harry Potter-esque premise, um, you know, the secret magic mm-hmm. society that's just existing right yeah. underneath everybody's noses, um, and turning it into a, hey, black people are magic. And their whole entire purpose of magic is to keep them safe. And how do they keep themselves safe? It's by making white people happy. That is fucking fucking genius, okay? I have to say. That's like Jordan Peele level fucking smart. It's it's literally almost saying, "Hey, slavery was okay because see, this is why this is why we were slaves, everybody." Don't you see? I'm fucking laughing so fucking hard that, and again, I couldn't care less if it's a Harry Potter ripoff or not. Um, it looks like it's going to be a good time. We're going to go see it in theaters. Um, you know, it, it's one of those that I that I hope for a packed house. Yeah, only only because I do. I want to see how everybody is is reacting to it. I want to see how I want to see how people of color, you know, feel about the film. And you know, like I I really am looking forward to it. Like at a at a very high level, man. Um, it's just the kind of thing that I do like. And when I say that, it was bleeding over. So whereas this is what I feel is like great, a great version of homage to something, I feel on the opposite end of it. I don't know if you caught it. I didn't share it. I should have. Um, did you see the remake for Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Yep. I even put it on Talking Terror page that they're making it and yep. they're a teaser for it where they, they flip it so it's a, a black family this time around and it's R-rated. I was like, okay. All right. I mean... I, I don't know how to feel about it because I was like, you know what? It's a great fucking movie, but does it deserve a remake? <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> I, I don't, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. get it either. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it was a, a premise that needed to be copied. Um, right. I mean, you could, you, you could always make 
another movie about having a babysitter and the babysitter dying and the kids have their hijinks. I mean, that's <laughs> typical storytelling, you know? Like, I just always, like, I, you know what I wonder? I wonder if this was like a totally different movie at one point and the studio was like, hey, what properties do we own? Because this sounds very much like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Hey, we happen to own Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. So why don't we make it woke? You know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I couldn't even watch the whole teaser. So, like, you know, like, like we're going to have it be a black family. I'm sure one of the kids is going to be gay, you know. So, so like, we're going to mm-hmm. have to have all of, the, all of the fucking boxes checked so that it can, you know, fit in with what, you know, everybody wants to see today. Because, you know, everybody wants to fucking, everybody's been clamoring for the remake. So don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Like, said nobody ever. You know, that was just, and like, I guess, yeah. and, and maybe it's, uh, I, I might be wrong, I, I, I don't know. I, obviously, I guess everything it comes down to opinion. But like, I feel, like, I feel like it makes me feel like I'm racist over the fact that I don't like when they take movies, remake them, and then, like, specifically make sure to change the cast over to, like, colored people. Like, I get it when you want to take it and make the world, like, a filled-in, fleshed-in world and have blacks, whites, all this and that, right? But, like, case in point, the Honeymooners. Like, why did we ever need Ralph and fucking (laughs) Norton as blacks? You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Like, there's... Plenty, Arsenio and Eddie Murphy. You know what I mean? Like, those two guys were fucking comic geniuses that worked so well together. At no point did Eddie Murphy turn around to fucking Arsenio Hall and say, hey, you know what we should do? We should remake the, the Honeymooners. No, they went and they made their own original things. Like, I feel like in a lot of ways, like, they kind of do it to try to spite people into the whole idea. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't agree with it, if you say something about it, well, then you're racist. Why can't we make that? But, like, you know, like at the same time, like, all right, can I go and make fucking, you know, white versions of black movies? Am I allowed to do that? Like, how would that be received? Mm. Yeah, I don't think you can probably do not, that. Probably not well. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, you know what I mean? So, like, I guess, I guess I could do that, but the opposite effect mm-hmm. is going to happen because, you know, Obviously, I could do that, and instead, the rage will be out there. Well, that's a racist thing to do. Why are you that? That's appropriation, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, at what point does this kind of stuff, like, kind of like, like let's let's call it for what it is? Sometimes, you know, like guys, and like I said, you literally got two two ends of that coin right there. Magical Negroes on one side, and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead on the other. Both are, are films that are kind of aping another pro- another property, which, you know, <laughs> Harry Potter, while it does have a somewhat diverse cast, uh, but it is a very large cast, and the characters of color tend to be lesser background characters. Your main characters are obviously white. Harry Potter, white as hell. Hermione Granger, white as hell. Ron fucking Weasley's a ginger. You don't get any whiter than that. Um, you know, so, like, I, I, I guess it's how you do it. You know, maybe, maybe that's really what it comes down to. It. I feel less like Magical Negroes is offensive 
because it feels like it's more satire. Oh, sorry. That was a big fart, man. I don't know if you could hear that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the don't tell mom the babysitter's dead just feels like a, a straight remake for the sake of doing the remake. And I guess that I find more offensive for whatever reason. I guess yeah. I'm racist, what yeah. should I say? I must be a self-hating <laughs> quarter, you know? Yeah. Can't wait for that remake of Good Times with Michael Sarah as J.J. Evans. Dynamite. <laughs> there you go. You know what I mean? Like, let's do the Jeffersons, but white. You know, and then they'll be like, oh, well, that's every television show that has a white business owner, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, I want to do a white version of the Jeffersons in which it's literally, you know, George, Wheezy, all that stuff, having the laundromats and, and all of that. I want them talking jive and everything. I want them talking just like Chairman Al mm-hmm. talks. You know, straight up. Michael Rappaport can do it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> He'd be the one to do it. <clears throat> but uh, with that being said, all right, let's get into the movie tonight. I'm excited about it. Hope you guys are, too, at home, because uh, we're talking about Night of the Comet from 1984, uh, 1984 directed by Tom Eberhardt. This is another really? pick of mine from the year 1984, <laughs> the year I was fucking conceived and came out of the womb with a cigar in my mouth going, I fucking hate life. Um, but I, I honestly just love this movie. Um, so after a rare comet sighting, teen sisters Regina and Samantha find that they're among the only survivors of a zombie attack. The girls partner with another survivor, Hector, but as they try to avoid the zombies, they're sought by scientists who want to experiment on their bodies in the hope of finding an antidote. Dodging both the doctors and the undead, they keep moving in the hope that they can continue to stay alive in sunny L.A. with the red sky. Um, I know this movie is is listed as a horror comedy, and I kind of get it in some aspects, but I just think it's a good horror movie. Um, But, Ghoul, what did you think about Night of the Comet? I mean, listen, this is, you know, this is an 80s classic. This is a a teen staple if you were a kid with cable mm-hmm. television growing up in the 90s. This was on all the time. Um, that was my f- – so so. I will preface this. This is the first time I have ever watched this movie from start to finish. Now, oh, I, have okay. seen, I have seen the entirety of this movie. I just never watched mm-hmm. it in one go. Every time I watched mm. it, I would catch a part of it, or I would be at a different area of the film. And, uh, and yeah, so, so this was the first time ever seeing it from, from beginning to end in, like, one full sitting. And, yeah, I mean, look, like I said, this is, this is something that I saw many times growing up as a kid. It's something that I enjoyed. It's, it's fun. This is when we talk about, like, entry-level horror movies, for like for mm-hmm. for young kids for teens, this definitely fits that you know. There's a little bit of sexual innuendo. There's a little bit of like mm-hmm. you know, it's PG thirteen. There's a little bit of cursing here and there. There's a little bit of violence, a little bit of gore, but it's never it's not trauma, which is where this film right. probably belongs. Like this should have been a trauma mm-hmm. movie. If this was a trauma movie, this movie goes from the cult status that it has to being like legendary, you know, never fucking, you know, never forgotten probably. Um, because, you know, there'd be zombies fucking everywhere and people's heads would be getting torn apart and, you know, people be like, Oh my God, did you see that? 
Um, like, look, see, mm-hmm. my voice cracked when I tried to say that. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I'm going through puberty right here. So, so yeah, this this is always a fun one, man. It's it's always entertaining to watch. The, you know, it's 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 good stuff. That's definitely eighties. You can't go you can't go wrong <laughs> when you have Tempest in it. You can, and it's definitely a product of its time. Definitely feel the 80s vibe while you're watching it, but let's get into it. So a comet, which has not passed by Earth for 65 million years, is again about to swing by the planet. Most people are partying, but a few are concerned that the Earth will be passing through the comet's tail. These include a team of scientists that enter a bunker in the desert just outside of Los Angeles the night that the comet is set to appear. That same yeah, night, eighteen-year-old forgot to fucking steal the place off the fucking geniuses. Some fucking side. They sure fucking did. Yeah, we're all scientists, but we, we forget that. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to have a third act, so that's going. why. <laughs> and so, that same night, eighteen-year-old Virginia Belmont is working at a theater usher, where she's pretty much made someone named DMK take that back position from her playing a video game. But he took the sixth position. And she's kind of upset about that. Uh, we'll find more about DMK later. Instead of going home after the last performance, she calls her stepmom, Doris, and tells her that she will be out all night at the observatory with her science class. She really intends to spend the night with her 55-year-old boyfriend, Larry, having sex in the steel line projection room. Like, the fucking guy, I was like, dude, I was like, you're, you're so fucking old, man. <laughs> like, dude, you're you're Larry, not getting you know Catherine Mary Stewart. I thought Larry mm-hmm. was uh I thought he was the dude that was the bad guy from Billy Madison. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah. Um Oh yeah, I never remember that actor's name. But every time I see every time I see him in something, I'm like, Oh, oh he's Bradley Whitford. He, Bradley Whitford. Oh, okay. He, he's the villain. Every time. If Bradley Whitford's in your movie, he's the villain. Uh I don't think there's ever been anything <laughs> yeah. where he's not the villain. But uh, you know, like so, so, so to interject, um, just just a little bit here, just for for discussion purposes, sure. and, and just just to, to make it a little colorful, um, and I don't mean in the magical Negro way. No, the, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, Gary. Oh Lord, no. So shit. So so obviously this is a trope mm-hmm. we see. We see this in Maximum Overdrive. We we've seen it in other films. My my question on your thoughts, right? How would you want to go about if we found out something like this was going on? You know, like what would your thoughts be? Like, you know, like I I feel like this is a decent like representation of how the world would be, like even today, in mm-hmm. which it's like, oh, okay, cool, this is something to celebrate, even though you know, like they don't realize that it might actually be a world ender. Um, it made me think of Independence Day, you know, where you yeah. had people like mm-hmm. on top of the building and they're fucking holding up signs and, you know, beam me up aliens because they're like, oh, these aliens love us. And then they fucking, you know, shoot a fucking laser beam right through the middle of the Empire State Building and kill everybody. Um <laughs> You know, like, and, and and I always dig that. I always do wonder, you know, like, because I'm not somebody like, okay, I live an hour away from New York. I could take the train and go to New York. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn um, and Staten Island. I have never done New Year's in Times Square, nor do I really mm-hmm. have any interest in doing New Year's in Times Square. Like, you know, for me, the idea of gathering with, like, that many people, just A, 
just makes me think like I'm gonna get sick, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not a germaphobe, but at the same time, too, I do hate being sick. So if I can avoid it, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my fucking goddamn <laughs> best to do so. Uh, shut up. Um, yelling in my house telling me I'm a germaphobe. So, so, so that right there is the main reason. But, you know, also just the idea of, like, I got to sit out there. I'm going to go. And I got to sit. And, like, these days especially, you're stuck in, like, a fucking cubicle, basically, where you're in a roped-off square. You can't leave. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't do fucking anything for X amount of hours just to watch a fucking ball drop and count down with, I don't know, a fucking million other people that are all, all drunk and shit. And, uh, again, yeah. so no, like, I, to me, yeah. there's, there's no interest. <clears throat> No, I so thought about that, too, do? when I was watching the movie. Um, I was thinking about that, like you had just said. I was actually thinking about that when I was watching it. I was like, well, wow. um, see, the thing is, is that in the movie, you find out that if you're in a steel area, you're fine. Like, if you're, like, you know, the, the projection room has a steel floor. Uh, we find out that Samantha spent the night in a, a oh, steel, steel shed. Um, Hector was in his truck, you know, lined by steel. Me, I would have no fucking interest in going outside and fucking staring at the sky while this Let's comment passer. I would be fun watching it the fuck on TV. Like even Larry says, you can just watch it on TV. Like it'll just be just as great on TV as it would be seeing it in person. So unfortunately, it doesn't matter where you are. You're still going to be affected by the comet uh, passing through Earth. But at the same time, yeah, I would have no interest. I don't like crowds. I, I don't do well with crowds. I just, you know, I want to have a place where I can go fucking take a piss if I want to. I want to watch it in my own place. So I'd be watching it on TV but we wouldn't be safe because we're not surrounded by steel. Um, well, yeah, which is, which is we, what we do find out, you know, through, through their surmising anyway, that they, you know, she, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess Sam was in a steel shed. He's in his steel yeah. truck. You know, that room happened to be, you know, lined with steel. Um, yeah. So, so, That's so yeah, you know, like, I, I guess case in point is there, there is actually something this year. I forgot. Um, there is a comet or a I'm sorry, the yeah. eclipse. There's an eclipse that mm-hmm. there's going to be a solar eclipse that can be seen from the Buffalo area. Uh, so like, if you want to be there where, where there'll actually be a full total eclipse, like our, our area will see it. Um, but they're going to actually have like the full on like hundred percent eclipsed uh, up in the Buffalo mm-hmm. region there for, for the United States. Yeah. Anyway. I hope they have fun. I'm, like, I won't be there, but um, yeah, I'm not, yeah. My buddy just my buddy went all the way to Tennessee to watch it the one time, you know. So, <laughs> so it was I'm it good. was when the moon. It was a total eclipse of the moon, you know. So he was he's a big Floyd fan. So for him, that was mm-hmm. like, you know, he wanted to be there in Tennessee, get really really stoned, and and I think he probably had it like playing on his phone, you know, as mm, uh, I'm sure. As it happened. But uh, so we are introduced to 16-year-old cheerleader sister, Samantha. Um, She gets in an argument with Doris, accusing her of sleeping with a neighbor. While Sam's father is away with the military in Honduras, Doris slaps Samantha. Samantha slaps her back, and then Doris straight up fucking punches her in the mouth, (laughs) which causes her to run away. causes her to run away into that shed like we talked about while everybody runs outside uh, to look at the comet passing through, you know, Earth. Um, yeah, great fucking punch, and she just takes it and runs away. Um, so the next morning, the sky is now red, and everyone watching the comet has turned to red dust. 
Larry and Regina await to find that the film that he had been waiting for has not been returned. Larry intends to go and get it, while Regina stays at the theater to let him back in. While she waits, she plays the arcade game once again and manages to beat the MK finally and take that spot back from Which is so silly. Okay, which is so, (laughs) so silly. Because you'd have to Mm -hmm. play it a bunch of times in order to get him off the board. Like, you don't just take sixth place. If she got sixth, he'd be moved to seventh. So she would have had to have played a bunch of times to <laughs> yeah. get him eliminated, you know? Yep, one and done in this uh, instance. <laughs> she takes that spot. Uh, Larry, meanwhile, goes outside to go to his motorcycle to go find this person that has the film. But he is attacked and killed by one of the dust zombies. Regina goes out looking for Larry, and is surprised to see his motorcycle is still sitting in the back of the movie theater. She is then attacked by the same zombie that killed Larry, but her father has given her some self-defense training. So she's able to quickly get away, jump on the motorcycle, and take off, leaving the zombie behind. On the way home, Regina it, sees that there's no it traffic. Spoke. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. They talk. Mm-hmm. Come here. Come here. Yeah. It was so cool that they spoke. Um, but on the way home, Regina sees that there's no traffic on the roads and no people on the sidewalks, only clothes and red dust. She begins to realize that something has happened, something bad. So on the street at her home, she again sees there's nothing around but empty clothes and red dust. She's surprised to find her sister Samantha is still alive, who doesn't realize that anything has happened as of yet. She tells Regina that she ran away last night, but didn't have anywhere else to go, so she slept in a steel garden shed. Samantha, meanwhile, has a hard time accepting that all the people on Earth have turned to red dust. This is where Doris is. This is where Chuck is, and pouring out the red dust on the ground. Um, so Regina speculates that the steel, the projection booth, and the shed somehow protected them from becoming dust. The girls turn on the radio and find that the local station is still operating. So they jump in a car and head over into the city to see if anyone is left. At the radio station, Regina and Samantha arrive where they find that the station is completely automated with tapes. They also find that they have company, however a man named Hector Gomez, who appears and points a revolver at them and makes them stand in the lights of the room to see their faces in order to make sure that they aren't zombies. Hector tells him that he is a truck driver who spent the night in the back of his steel trailer with a teenage girl he picked up hitchhiking the previous afternoon. He further tells a story that he and this nameless teenage hitchhiker arrived in the city in the morning and saw that it was deserted. They drove around looking for a gas station to fill up his truck and after arriving at one of these gas pumps, the truck was overtaken by zombies, and she was eventually killed. So he had to get out of there real fucking quick. I love the fact that it's like a teenage girl. He's obviously not a teenage guy. <laughs> so it's like, did you try to well, put the move I on mean, her, Hector? This, this is this is the eighties for you, though. You know what I mean? I mean, even Samantha is sixteen, <laughs> yeah. going on like thirty. You know? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I just I love the fact that they made a point of that. But then he says that he stopped at the uh, radio station to see if there was anybody left. Um, eventually, Hector and Regina talk about Larry uh, getting killed by the zombies, and Samantha gets on the air and asks if anyone's still alive and to phone the radio station. And she soon gets a call from a group of scientists at that underground bunker I had mentioned earlier. They advise her that the communists caused most of the population to turn to dust. People who only got partial exposure will turn into zombies before they succumb to the same fate. They tell her to stay where she is, and they will send a rescue team to rescue them tomorrow. But 
we cut to that night and Samantha driving around, having some beers, you know, just enjoying the fact that nobody's around. And while she's driving, two motorcycle cops see her and decide to pull her over. But, oh, nope, they are zombies, and they attack her. Don't worry, it was all a dream. Or was it? Because she gets up in the radio station, seeing that Regina is still asleep, she gets up to wash herself in the bathroom. Of course, we have to have that little TNA where she takes off her clothes and, you know, gets down into her bra and panties. But all of a sudden, a motorcycle cop shows up with a switchblade, tries to kill her. Nope, just another dream. And then we cut to Hector saying that he'll stay for the night, but he tells Regina that he needs to go to his parents' house in San Diego to see if they survived. She's like, they didn't, bro. They're dead. I have to see. I have to go, but I'll be back. So we cut to the next day. Samantha and Regina raid the local military armory to get some automatic weapons. Daddy would have gotten his Uzis. Well, it sucks. They didn't but the car didn't mind. The car did no difference. Um, but then we cut to Samantha, who is just wickedly depressed because Virginia seems to have already locked up the affections of the only available man on the planet, Hector. And we also find out that Samantha has developed a rash, something that occurs every time she feels stressed. So to cheer her up, they're going to go shopping, y'all, 80 style, <laughs> one of the local malls, the Galleria's. So, we then find out that Hector arrived home at his parents' house only to discover his family's dead. He gathers a couple keepsakes but has to leave the house in a hurry when he's chased by a zombified neighborhood boy. Lucked at the shoot of the little zombie boy, Hector manages to escape back to his truck and drives away. Missed yeah, opportunity, I, 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 never, missed opportunity. I never understand. I never understand at yeah. all like why, A, I'm not even saying it from the standpoint of like, okay, I get it. It's a PG-13 movie. They don't want to show gore. They don't want to yeah. you know, do this or that. Um, but like, I never get the purpose of any of these films other than like when you're in a situation in which you don't want to make noise. And even then mm-hmm. you could stick a screwdriver. There's any number of, of ways you can kill this little fucker without having yeah. to actually fire off a shot. Um, why you're going to decide not to, I, I just don't, I, it just doesn't, doesn't reason with me at all. Like see zombie, kill zombie. It's as easy as that. Yeah. Because if you don't, zombie's going to kill you or somebody else. So even if it's not you, mm-hmm. no, I, and the I, zombie goes and kills another I, person, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I felt like it should have happened. I mean, you could have easily done it off screen. Like, you could have just heard the shot, and then the kid's body falls to the ground. You don't have to show the gore. You could just have that happen that way. But instead, Hector just starts spouting off a bunch of one-liners as he's running away from the house with his bag of uh, stuff. Um, But we cut back to the underground bunker where Carter, the lead scientist, argues with Audrey, head doctor. Shout out to my girlfriend, Audrey. Told her about that. She's like, ooh. Um, She's like, my name's in a horror movie. I was like, yeah, it's a good movie, too. Hopefully she's seen it by now. I told her to watch it. Um, She complains that they should not bring in any outsiders into the bunker. Carter replies that under the circumstances, they do not have a choice. As they watch a helicopter arriving from outside carrying two survivors, an elementary age boy and girl both wearing pajamas, Audrey sees this and she's like, fuck this shit, man. And, of course, Carter, played by the great fucking Jeffrey Lewis, is like, no, you got to do it, bro. (laughs) You have no choice. We're scientists. We have to figure out this antidote you know, putting on the sunglasses, and we'll see why he's putting on sunglasses later. Um, because like the Google had said, 
they fucked up and they left some ventilator shafts open and they're infected. <laughs> Scientists, right? They are, they are educated, but they, they don't remember to close certain vents to avoid getting infected. Um, but back in Los Angeles, the girls arrive at a large department store and have some fun dressing up in some fancy outfits that they would never have been able to afford in real life just a few days earlier. Unfortunately, they're being watched from the security cameras by a group of former stock boys who now feel that they own the store. <clears throat> As the head stock boy taunts them from the PA, the others try to grab the girls, which leads to a gunfight, but the boys eventually capture Samantha, forcing Regina to surrender. This fucking guy, the head stock boy, eating up the fucking scenery. Like, I love this character because they're just like, just go, man. Like, I guarantee you they didn't give him any fucking script. They're just like, you know what? Just fucking <laughs> add it. Just have fun. And, and that's it. You know, like, he obviously watched the uh... – yeah, of course, I'm going to draw a blank. But, uh, you know, uh, Warriors, hmm. you know, he, he – Oh, yeah. He, Come out and play. He got – Exactly. He got the memo. You know what I mean? He's like, all right, I know what movie I'm in. Uh, it, it, it might not be as, as dark and, and, and ominous, but it, it's still that type of film. Um, yes, and you, and you bring up Jeffrey Lewis, and yeah, you know, I every time I see him, you know, like I just, he is one of those character actors that just always brought like he's mm-hmm. one of those guys that you always expected to see as like the lead in something, and yet mm-hmm. he just never like gets there. Like I never feel like he does. You know, like I know for me, like the first thing I remember him from, as terrible as it might be, is actually the Jean Claude Van Damme movie Double Impact. He was their uncle. Yes, Frank. he was Double Impact. Um, and like that, for me, like I'm sure I saw him prior to that movie, but like when it like when I see that actor, that is the first thing that comes to mind. That's the first thing I remember seeing him and like remembering him from. Now, like I've seen him in a bunch of other things uh, and TV series over the years, but uh, but yeah, that, that that's always what I, I I remember him from. He's just got he's got that look. You know, he would have been a great like uh, you know he reminds me of in a way kind of like a Terry O'Quinn. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yes. okay, you can stick, you can stick him in a number of roles, and, and he would easily like fit whatever it is. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, for me, I think of either Salem's Lot, the Toby Hooper TV uh, two-part series, or Devil's Rejects. Yep, absolutely. Where he was one part of Banjo and Sullivan. Like it just—he had that look, like you said. He just had that unique look. Um, and I remember the first time I found out that he's actually Juliet Lewis's father. I was like. Oh, oh that no shit! Sense. I had no idea about that. Wow. Yeah, that's her oh, dad, cool. Jeffrey Lewis. So, yeah, because she she was posting on like one of her Facebook pages one day because I follow her on Facebook and she was like, "Oh, this is me, and my dad in 1980, whatever." I'm like, oh, that's her dad. Okay, that makes sense. I like it. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a fan of her and I'm a fan of her dad, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, but meanwhile, the scientists arrive at the radio station to find it empty. On a hunch, they decide to check out the department store in the basement where the boys have chained the girls back to back. The head stock boy removes his sunglasses, and we see that the boys have been partially exposed and are slowly turning into zombies. They decide to play a game of Russian roulette, putting a gun to Samantha's forehead and pulling the trigger. If it fires, the bullet will travel first through Sam's head and then out through the back of Regina's skull, killing them both. But 
Luckily, that fatal bullet never gets fired because the boys are surprised by the arriving scientists who quickly gun them down with their machine guns, rescuing the girls. The scientists, seeing Samantha itching, assume she has been partially exposed. They, however, do not tell her that, but have her wait with Audrey and another scientist, Oscar, for Hector's return to the radio station while Regina is immediately flown back to the bunker. And I just, I love when they have her waiting on the, the helipad for the helicopter. They're like, this is the best we could find. <laughs> this is what we have to work with with survivors. As, you know, you see, uh, (laughs) this is all we have left is two valley girls. Like, (laughs) they're so disappointed. What are you going to get, fucking Mensa numbers? Just deal with what you got, man. (laughs) You know, because we find out that they just want to use them for blood bags anyway. So who fucking cares? (laughs) They do have to make that point. Um, In the radio station, Audrey injects Samantha with something that will cause her to go unconscious. Oscar believes that Audrey has put the girl down to spare her from becoming a zombie. The two then argue, and Audrey tells Oscar. I remember the first time seeing this movie, I was like, wow, that's fucking dark. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's probably... It is. It is probably the first time I ever saw somebody perform euthanasia. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And especially being that, like, again, watching it as a kid, this is a, you know... Now I look at her and I realize that she's like a 30-year-old woman. When I was a kid, she was a 16-year-old girl. You know, so it was like, oh, shit, that's fucked up. They're killing her. You know, like, wow. Like, why? What the fuck? You know, it's really fucked up. And then I was like, oh, fuck, Regina's going to be so mad. You know, and I figure at that point it's going to become like a, a revenge film, you know. But, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, continue. Uh, they, they, you know, it, it, Audrey isn't planning on doing that, but when you're watching it, you don't really know right away, um, especially when she's talking to Samantha, and she was like, oh, do you like any boys and everything like that? And she's like, oh, you know, I, I did, and, you know, it's kind of crazy where the last one's left. Like, the, the, the way that Mary Warnoff talks to Kelly Maroney in this scene, it's, it's soft. Like you said, it's just, you know, she's being very caring and very gentle, and you don't know if she's killing her. You just know that she's injecting mm-hmm. her with this, this thing. Um, you know, and when she eventually gets put to sleep, that's when you find out that she didn't. Um, and she doesn't want to be a party anymore to what the scientists are doing back in the bunker. Oscar draws his gun, but Audrey is faster and kills him. And this is one of those few movies where I found Mary Warnoff to be fucking kind of hot. <laughs> you know, she was always one of those character actors, and I'm like, she's hit or miss. Um, especially when you think about Rock and Roll High School, or just totally no. But in this one, I was like, oh, she's got the hair, she's got the sunglasses, something kind of sexy about her in a way. And I was like, you know, even back when I was younger, I was like, oh, she's kind of hot, but it's terrible. You say so. <laughs> Not my time. Uh, I just, I, yeah. So, um, so Hector arrives back at the radio station to find Audrey, who is now very close to going zombie. And in this moment, she decides to inject herself with a lethal dose of drugs before explaining that the scientists accidentally left the vents open on the bunker and received the partial exposure. They're tracking down survivors, hoping that if they get enough uncontaminated blood, they can rid a, a serum to reverse the effect, because 80s. You know, that, it's fine. <laughs> you know, we're, we're just going to go with that. They're going to be able to, to turn back the effects of the comet. Um, back at the bunker, Carter tries to question Regina, but she's being very uncooperative. I, I, I actually laughed at this sequence because he's asking all these questions 
um, if she has diabetes, if she's had any other kind of complications, and then she goes, well, you know, I'm a cancer. He goes, you have cancer? She said, no, it's my sign. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but in another room, we see two nurses with two adult males lying unconscious on tables. They discuss how the survivors are being brought to the bunker so they can be used as a source of uncontaminated blood. To make sure they produce as much blood as possible, they're operated on and make brain dead, so they simply become blood bags. The nurses note that they can get 300 cc's per day out of the men, but expect that the children will produce much less. They note that Regina, being a young and healthy teenager, should produce a large amount of blood. Um, and then we get the sequence where they're tapping the one guy for blood, and the one nurse fucks up, and she's like, oh, shit, spurting, spurting. Let's get a cap on this. And it never really comes back to kind of pay off. Like, I was kind of hoping that that one particular subject would get up and then just fucking rip apart one of the nurses. Oh, no. No, you know what I think the purpose of that was? was It was just a memory thing. You know what I mean? Remember, we Mm. were supposed to see the nurses. All of these people are slowly degrading. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, this is something that they do again and again and again. There's a repetitive task for these nurses that should have been as simple as could be. So the fact that she's messing up that little thing, I think that's all, that's all they were going for with that. It's possible. I just I was kind of hoping that there would be a payoff later where one of the, the one of the guys pops up and kills one of the nurses. But I again, thought that might happen just with the finger twitching, you know? Right. Yeah. So you got the same thing. So we're kind of on the same page. Like I was like, all right, this mm-hmm. is going to happen. This is going to pop up, but it, it doesn't, and it's fine. Like you said, I think it's more of a, a memory thing, like you had said, where it's just like, all right, routine. We'll get this capped off, and then we'll move on. Um, Regina, meanwhile, demands to know where her sister is, and Carter, who is slowly starting to turn, pulls out his sunglasses and puts them on. And then, so fucking cool, uh, Jeffrey Lewis in the scene where he's like, oh, your sister, she's dead. She's going to turn. We fucking killed her. Deal with it. <laughs> So cold and callous, you know, as he walks out of the room. Like, just because he's turning at this point, so he's just fucking mad. Like, he just, he wants to get that serum. So at that point, he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. Your sister's dead. You know, she was going to become a zombie. We did what we had to do. Uh, So Regina eventually attempts an escape from her room, but she's taken down by guards to be prepared as a blood donor. But we soon discover that Samantha is fine, as Audrey only gave her the sedative, as we said earlier. She and Hector arrive at the bunker, and I love the fact that Hector puts on the cowboy hat and the fucking vest, and he's like, hey, man, all right, I'm, just, I'm heading around town. I'm driving this fast car. Hey, man, you know what, girls? Come on. I got something to show you. <laughs> and the guard's like, huh? Okay. And then when he opens the trunk, we see Samantha on the inside, and he's like, hey, man, she's dead. Oh, she ain't dead. And Samantha pops up, and, and they help take out the guard. Uh, Samantha sneaks inside the bunker. She finds Regina, and they are able to rescue the kids from the nurses just before they were about to start operating. Regina, Samantha, and the kids escape and run to the car where Hector is waiting. The scientists then attempt to pursue them in the trucks, but Hector had sabotaged them to blow. And I, I love it when you see uh, Carter, you know, get into the car. Like, we have to get them. He, he totally turned at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, well, yeah, other scientist doesn't realize it. Yeah, he was completely turned. Like, you can hear it in his voice. Like, but the one scientist, when he goes to turn on the car, is like, is that gasoline? And then all of a sudden, you see Carter lean forward, and he's fucking full zombie. And he's like, no, don't turn the key. And fucking blows the car up. I was like, oh, 
how did you not know the guy was fucking full zombie at that point? <laughs> I'm like, no, I mean, you guys have Hector's badass, man. I mean, he's stringing up fucking dynamite to blow with the fucking turning of the key. I mean, you know, there's, there's some mystery to this, 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 this sexy Latino man. He knows some shit, and I, I love the fact that they do have that mystery because it kind of reminded me of uh, <clears throat> Night of the Living Dead, the original, 1968, when Ben shows up. You have no idea what Ben does for a living. You have no idea what he's capable of. You just know that he knows that shit's fucked up, and they have to survive. You know, he saw shit at the gas station, and now he's there to help Barbara. You know, but I love the fact that they kind of cloaked that character in mystery, where you don't know. Like, mm-hmm. what's Hector's backstory? Was he in the Army? You know, was he like a, just a gangbanger, and now he's a truck driver? You don't know. And I, I love the fact that they kind of keep that secret. Um, but uh, after the trucks pull up, uh, the little girl is grabbed by Sergeant Slaughter Zombie, um, who is one of the doctors, because I was like, holy shit, that's Sergeant Slaughter. No, it's not. It's just a fucking zombie <laughs> with a mustache. Um, but Hector quickly takes him out with a bullet, and they escape the bunker. But back in L.A., the rain has washed away the last of the sky dust, and the sky has become beautiful, clear. Everything is perfect now. Hector, Regina, and the two kids have now become a family unit. <clears throat> Regina is taking all these pictures of the two kids, and they're like, yeah, great, great, that's fine. Can we go now? Like, we have a whole fucking world to discover. Uh, but, no, they're now dressed in their new clothes, and Regina wants to show them off. Samantha, meanwhile, is across the street. She just wants to go to the fucking beach. She's like, come on, guys. Like, can we go now? Are you done taking all these pictures? There's nobody left. we got to go party. Um, so the family now goes across the street. But got to wait for the light. Can't cross for the light. Um, and Samantha mocks her sister, saying, there's nobody left. We're the only people left. You can cross the street. So as Samantha tries to do this, she's nearly run over by a racing sports car. It's driven by a handsome teenager who apologizes and tells her his name is Danny Mason Keener. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder where we've seen dun, those dun, initials dun. before. <laughs> so he picks her up, and Samantha's like, oh, my God, a boy, and he's handsome. And he's like, oh, this is kind of crazy times we're living in, huh? She's like, yeah. You want to go for a ride? Sure. So, of course, Regina reminds her to be back by midnight. Midnight? What a drag, right? So, of course, the car speeds away with Samantha as we see the license plate in the back reading DMK. That's who's been beating Regina the entire time. Like, I love the fact that it had to pay off. Eddie's gonna gonna fucking tap her sister. Oh, you know he's gonna be fucking railing her. Like, you know, but, um, you know, the concept is so cool, you know, with the whole thing about the comet passing through, turning people to dust. You know, so you have to imagine there are other survivors, like DMK survived. So you have to imagine there's other people out there, but, you know, if they're it and where do you go from here? Like, it, it's kind of an interesting concept as it close out the movie. It's obviously a fun movie ending where they're playing football on the street and they're all together, but it's like, no, actually, it's kind of fucking depressing. Like, that's like what are you going to do for food? You know, the world's done. <laughs> You're eventually going to have to succumb to something at some point, so it's like, oh, it's a fucking bummer, but at the same time, they're like, oh, it was a fun ride for what it was worth, but when you start thinking about the realistic implications of being in this world, I fucking think it would be horrible. Like, I would hate to live in this fucking world. Like, I would have put a gun to my fucking head a long time ago because you know you're eventually going to have to go out one way or another. Like, same thing with the zombie universe. I'm like, I would fucking hate to live in a zombie universe. It would suck. 
you're constantly having to fend off zombies. You're constantly having to fend off gangs of people. No, I'm good. I'm just going to go jump off a bridge. <laughs> you know, I would not be good in, in any of those universes. I mean, I don't know about you, Ghoul. Maybe you would love it. Maybe you would hate it. I don't know. Me, I, just, I would fucking hate to be in a zombie universe. I'd check out real fast. Uh, again, you know, I uh, I think that there would be some things that I would enjoy at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Beginning would be great. Like any and everything. You know what I mean? Like, oh, see that car sitting right there? Well, I can take it, you know, because uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to find the key for it somehow. Um, you know, eventually though, yeah, you do, you have to worry about dying, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, because it is going to happen eventually. Now, whether or not it's yeah. due to some fucking stupid accident, like, you know, like you <laughs> fall, you know, like, like it always <laughs> makes me think of Stephen King's The Stand, right? You know, and there were those, oh, those yeah, yeah. parts in the book in which there were just, interludes in which Stephen mm-hmm. King would sit there and just flesh out how like empty the world was. And the one that always comes to mind for me is there's like some like four year old kid, like walking through a field and, you know, like he knows that like his mom is gone and she's not coming back, you know, he, and like, he's like giving it to you from the perspective of the little kid and like how the little kid Mm -hmm. like ate up all the Cheerios, but now he knows there's no more Cheerios. And like, he's walking through this fucking field and the kid falls in a well, like, you know, like there was just a fucking (laughs) covered up well that the kid falls in and dies. And it's like, Oh no shit. That sucks. Um, like, you know, like those kind of deaths are going to be so like, prevalent like the 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 basic normal like this is just fucking like a a regular old way to fucking die man uh you know it won't be that fucking blaze of glory that you want so i think i'll enjoy it at first i think you know again i would take advantage of it but eventually loneliness is gonna set in and you know if there Mm -hmm. are no other people for me to like spend time with and share time with and you know obviously i need you know, a fucking uh, a harem of, of of females. You know, without all those oh, those, those girls to, to to to. And I mean, uh, there has to be more than one because you know it's, it's a fucking spice of life. Um, well, you gotta have multiple choice, yeah, variety. Yeah, of course. I mean, how else is there to to, to live, especially in that fucking world? I just end up putting a fucking bullet to my head. You know, like eventually that that is what I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. do. I, I'm gonna find I, something to just do it quick and painless. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Like, I guess, yeah, I agree with you. I think it would be fucking a lot of fun in the beginning. It'd be great because you can take any car that you want. Cash is nothing now. So you could just raid stores and shit like that. But eventually, like you said, you know, fucking loneliness is going to set in. You're going to realize that you're fucked because food's going to run out eventually. You know, either a zombie's going to get you or some roving fucking gang of bikers is going to fucking take you out. So you know what? I'm going to go to a field and it's going to be a bang. I'm done. Thanks, guys. It was fun. <laughs> You know, it's just, it, it's horrible to think about because, you know, even like with Dawn of the Dead, you know, well, we're in a mall. We're having a great time. It's great. Yep. Until the bikers come and fucking compromise the entire mall, then yeah, you go. And you lose your friends along yeah. the way. It's just it's terrible. Smash pies in their faces and other silly yeah, things. Yeah, because that's how you have fun. That's fun. That's what we do in the Monroeville Mall. Um, 
But it's anyway, fun, as we close out tonight's episode, uh, that was Night of the Comet from 1984. Um, enjoy talking about it with you, Ghoul, as always. But next week, it is your film pick of the week, and what are we talking about? You know, I'm going to... Uh... Defer? Okay. No, okay. I'm not going to defer. I never defer. You know that. Um, <laughs> I'm going keep... I'm, I'm to stay in the time frame. I, uh, I believe. Okay. Uh, right. Stick it in the 80s. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, see, like, I, I have so many different choices and, and just so little time. So, so little time. It's tough. Uh, all right. So, no, we, we will, we'll, we'll see. Uh-oh. There's apprehension. Yeah, you know. Uh, there is apprehension, right? Like, listen, the drama. Can't you feel it? Can't you feel that tension right now? It's, it, it's, it's true it's here. So much I'm tension. Sweating. I'm sweating. I'm sweating right now. Um, I get no, the general. No, we're going to say, we're going to go 1983. Um, okay. It's uh, an English film. It is on Shutter. It is, <laughs> it's not necessarily horror. But again, it's on Shutter. So how I feel is, is everything that's on Shutter means that it is in the horror realm. So that means it's fair <laughs> fucking game, Maybe. folks. You know, we have we have covered non-horror before, but like I, I do have, we like, have there is a there's a method to my madness here. We're gonna do 1983's Death Stalker. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's horror adjacent. I mean, I I think yeah, I was thinking. That's soccer too. That's from '87, but all right. So it's on Shutter, so that means it's horror. <laughs> that should be their tagline, and it's also available on Tubi. So. Oh, oh, you know what? Hmm. So I want to do the sequel. You know what? Yes, I do actually. I apologize. We're gonna go Depths because that is a Jim Wynorski sure. film, and uh, and and yes, I will take that. I will take that for sure. Because I I do know I do know that one and that's got a very particular actor in it that uh yes hundred percent Deathstalker two yeah because Deathstalker two that was a Jim Wynorski movie if I'm not mistaken uh huh yes it is yep yes, it okay is. Mm-hmm. I just had to, to type it in yep okay I mean either way you know it's available for free on uh, uh Tubi so Tubi coming to the rescue Deathstalker two just like in typical ghoul fashion which I love before. <clears throat> Fuck the first one. No, why, why, right why do the, the first sequence. one? No, of course. <laughs> Look, fucking second one. We'll do the seventh one next time. <laughs> yeah, there is so many Deathstalker movies that I'm finding out. I'm like, oh, I thought there was like three, but apparently no. There, there's a lot of them. So, but no, we're going to go Deathstalker uh, 2 from 1987. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Jim Wynorski, so I was glad to see his name pop up as a director. Like, yep, that's a fucking guy that has a great time making movies. I mean, Chopping Mall, Return of Swamp Thing, The Bear Lynch Project, the softcore porn Cinemax movies that he made back in the late 90s. Great Hell fucking yeah. movies. All right, so that's stuck. I love too. Porn. We're not fucking around with the first one. Uh, well, we both love porn. We both know that. We put the fucking, you know, Dean and Monkey to shame when we talk about our porn fucking experiences. And we'll do it again next week when we talk about Death Stalker 2 from 1987. Yeah, so, right, yeah. All right, cool. Thank you so much for joining me tonight on the show talking about Night of the Comet. Uh, the Dean's on here, obviously, so why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Well, first and foremost, King, I want to say thank you. Thank you for making it hmm. through the show this week. Thank you for not I know, I'm so glad. So happy. the madness 
and hell. That was your melty, your melty edible. I only did half an edible tonight, guys, and I made it. <laughs> so All right. We found out my limits. <clears throat> we love L.A. We love it. Stay scared. We everybody. love it. <laughs> and as always, thank you so much, fans, for listening to the show. Thank you so much for putting up with my fucking high-as-fuck self last week on the show. Promise not to do that again, uh, but I am, I am back to form. So as always, as I always like to say, hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail odorous, keep America strong, watch horror movies, and we'll see you back here next week for it. Night Stalker 2. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.